0: Well, Happy New Year. We weren't here last Sunday. We were in Edmonton uh, with family and uh, in, in enjoying that. Last time I saw when she wasn't walking, and today she's running around, and that, that's exciting to see. Things change so quickly, don't they? And so we're excited for that. Uh, as we were away, we got to visit with some family. I got to do the wedding ceremony for my, uh, my twin brother. He got remarried, and so we had a really special time away uh, with family and with some friends and... <coughs> And uh, it was good to get away, but it's also really good to be back this morning. We are going to be starting a sermon series on the book of Daniel next week. I needed a little bit more time to to map it all out and figure out uh, what Sundays and what the themes would be. And so we're going to be starting that next Sunday. And so I'm excited about that. It's a book that's challenging because it's got prophecy in it. It's got end times theology in it. It's also got some history in it. And so as that comes together, I just pray that... As we look at how our world looks today, that we can maybe find uh, some similarities in living in a world like Daniel did. And I think a lot of times, a lot of things actually mesh up quite well. And so I'm excited about that. This week, we're going to just take one week to look at character and keeping good company. And so it's just kind of a, it's not a sermon series, but just something that's been on my mind uh, as we begin this this, uh, new year. And so... I've been asked by Sandra and by Jason at the back, my slides are only nine slides and usually have 15 to 20. And they came and they said, did you miss some of your message? And I said, no, it's going to be a shorter one today. So we'll see if that actually ends up being the case or not. But sometimes when I have less slides, I talk more, but we'll find out. Uh, I want to talk about, though, as we get started, and kind of build this into Daniel, uh, controlling our lives, controlling who we allow to influence our lives and in order to do that, we need to look at some things like what, are, what is controlling our thoughts? What are those areas of our lives that that overtake our thoughts that maybe, <coughs> maybe kind of uh, make us who we are? But those can be good things. Those can be bad things that control our thoughts. But it's interesting and, it, and it's something that we need to look at individually and even corporately as a church because churches have... Have, have thought patterns as well as a corporate group as well. What controls our thoughts? And then once we figure that out, the question becomes, how are we guarding our hearts? Or are we guarding our hearts? And we have to look sometimes at, at then, how do we do that? And we keep good company. Who do we hang out with? Who do we allow to influence us? And oftentimes that's all tied into the fruits of the Spirit. Now, if you were to give a child a set of of blocks like that, like you see on the screen, it, it amazes me because instinctively they know to begin to stack them. They make towers, they make little designs, pyramids like that. It's just something that instinctively they start knowing that these blocks I can use and we can take them and put them together and make things out of them. And that creativity may differ. It may look different for every kid, but the parameters are often the same. And I think that we can learn so much from our children because they figure things out in such a hurry. They can figure out what works and they know what doesn't work so quickly. When you watched the kids down here this morning, and there's nearly 30 of them, it was amazing. There were some kids that were just tuned right in. They were hearing every word. There were some kids that were looking up at the ceiling. There were some kids that were more interested in, in the person they were beside. There were some kids flashing flashlights. And it's just amazing how instinctively, they did what they thought was comfortable. They did what they thought what they needed to do in that time. It became a distinctive thing. But I tell you, no matter what those kids were doing, they probably heard every single word. And so sometimes in our lives, we we struggle with what that looks like. We struggle with with, with seeing somebody who maybe is on a different part of their journey. Maybe they haven't uh, been... Uh, a, a believer in Jesus for 30 years, and, and they're still trying to figure things out. And the reality is, is that, that that journey is the same for all of us. And we have to understand how do we come together as a people? How do we make sure that our characters are meshing together as a church, as families, as individuals? And it matters then who we hang out with. I saw this saying this week, I'm a bad influence, but I'm a lot of fun. Now, we all can think of somebody in our lives where that just makes sense. Somebody that you would always get in trouble with, but boy, were they a lot of fun to hang out with. We all have those people, don't we? Stick your hand up if you know somebody like that. Stick your hand up if you are that person. A few hands, I see, yeah. I was the person, I was the person that I never got into trouble. I rarely, rarely got into trouble. I never got in trouble at school, I, I got a detention once, and it was because it was a private school, and it was really strict, and, and if you kept the lights on, you'd get the merits, and so I got a, a detention for that once, but I never got in trouble, but what I was, is I was the person that would go to my friends, and I'd whisper, I wonder what would happen if you went and pulled that girl's hair. And they'd say, and I, I knew who to ask, right? And, and they'd say, oh, that's a good question. I wonder what would happen if I went and pulled that girl's hair. And I'd sit at my desk and I'd watch as they walked over and they pulled that girl's hair and then I'd find out what happened. They'd get in trouble, I didn't get in trouble. And so I look back at, at some of my years in junior high and, and early high school before I, I clearly matured a little bit. And I recognized that I kind of had bad character in that regard. I liked watching other people get into trouble because I was curious, but I didn't want to get in trouble myself. And it struck me that it, it matters what we allow into our hearts, doesn't it? And it means that we are all influencers in, in a way. That's, that's a popular word th- these days. Uh, social media influencer, things like that. People that, that think they have influence. But we all have influence in our lives. And what we do with that influence matters. There were times in school where I chose to use my influence to influence people to do things they shouldn't be doing. There were other times, though, where I used my influence to influence people to do the right thing, to follow after God. So we can try to be a good influence, and and we should be, but at some point there's a great danger in giving in to bad influence. Now, I'm going to share, I mentioned that my brother got married this last, a week ago, a week and a half ago. And it was a second marriage for him. He doesn't mind me sharing this, I know. Um, But when his marriage broke up, one of the first things that he noticed happened is he stopped going to church. He stopped being in the Word. And he called me about a year ago, and he said, I'm struggling so much. And we had this long conversation about things of life. We had this long conversation about maybe where his priorities are, maybe what was influencing his life. And there were some inklings there. there were some things there that 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 he started to look at and think, "Yeah, maybe I need to look at this more, maybe I need to to think through this more um, and Then he met Amy, who he just married, who was committed to church, who was committed to being in the things of God, and that good character it amazed me how quickly he went from not understanding life and struggling with life to thinking. Church has to be a priority. God has to be priority. And I've watched as that strong character in Amy and strong influence in Amy has changed his life around. And if you think that you don't have that influence in someone in your life, whether it be a child, whether it be a parent, whether it be a, a, a friend, you're lying to yourself. We all have people that we influence. And we get to choose how And what kind of influence we're going to be. Am I going to be an influence that is is drawing people to Christ? Or am I going to be the influencer who draws people away from Christ? But it's amazing when we are surrounded by people who love the Lord, who, who care deeply about the things of his word, how that moves us in that direction. And I love watching when God is at work in people's lives. I love watching when people take what they're hearing, what they're reading in the word of God, and it, it grows in their heart, and it begins to, 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 to melt out into those around them. In Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, Listen, my son, to your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teachings. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Now... As a pastor, I'm going to say a few things in the next few minutes that, that are, are bad for my job. Um, but good character it actually usually starts from home. There's not a lot that I can say up here that, that can change your character, that can uh, change your heart. There's a lot of good things I can say up here. Don't get me wrong. But good character is often taught rather than inherited. Now, most of you come to church for a couple of hours a week. If you come to some of our Bible studies or youth groups, you're here for another couple of hours, three to four hours a week, give or take. And I wonder then, how much more influence you have on your own family? How much more influence that as you are a dad or as you are a, a mom or, a, or a, a, a spouse to a non-believer, how much more influence you have than what we could possibly do here within these walls. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that church doesn't matter because it matters deeply. I'm not saying that what I believe and what I say and what I preach doesn't matter. It does. But our character is something that, that, that goes out from this building as well. Our good character that we teach our young children, and it's so fun watching them up here on Sunday, that character that's being built they're going to remember those children's times they're going to remember what they're learning downstairs but they're going to remember what they see with mom and dad at home during the week as well and so we teach our kids we teach our loved ones we teach our co-workers through our character now if our character is lined up in the word of god and we're going to see this in Daniel in the next number of weeks as we go through the book of Daniel who said, this is who I am, this is my character, this is what I believe, and this is how I am going to act, even in a foreign land, even in a land that that, that is, is saying, my God is not real. And Daniel had such great influence. His friends had such great influence. A major role in parenting is to instruct and to teach. And it's a team effort, isn't it? Mindy was part of that team effort today. The, the kids downstairs, their teachers are part of that effort today. Even those of you that don't have kids, when those kids come back upstairs after, uh, after Sunday school today, they're going to see how you're acting. They might even hear some of the things you're talking about. And all of those things are things that we're teaching our kids. Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however... it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I've had moments in my life where I've had to be disciplined, and I hate it. I don't think any of us here like being told that we've done something wrong. I hated it as a kid. I hate it still today. And yet there's something about it when, the discipline is a godly discipline. When it's, it's, it's a somebody that you trust, it's a brother or sister in Christ who says, hey, you're, I, I see that you're struggling in this. I see that maybe you're sinning in this area. And I want you to know I've noticed it and I'm praying with you and I'm gonna walk through this with you. And it doesn't seem pleasant in the moment. It's, it's painful in the moment. But I love it that we're reminded in Hebrews that it produces a harvest of righteousness in our struggle, in our uncertainty, even in our pain and in our stubbornness. As we work through that, we can see that God is at work in our lives and in our hearts. Proverbs 1, 10 to 16 uh, goes on. It says, My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder, cast lots with us. We will all share the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. In other words, don't give in to temptation. And you know what? There's so many temptations in our world right now. There's so many things going on, and it's so easy to give into that. And it's so easy to tell ourselves, it's okay because everybody else is doing this. Everybody else is living this way. Everybody else's standards for living are this way. And so if I do that, it's not really a a bad thing because I'm just doing what everybody else is doing. And yet in Proverbs chapter 1 and all through the Word of God, we are reminded that to be a follower of Christ means that we have a character that is set apart from this world. We live in this world, but our character needs to be different than everybody else around us. But there's temptation everywhere, like I said. And so we need to avoid temptation. And what a better way to to, to start living a different way than maybe in January of 2023 of saying, I am going to take and, and remove some of the temptations out of my lives. And we do this by putting friends in place. I have people that I know will tell me when they see me falling, when they see me doing something that I shouldn't, and I love that and I appreciate that. I have people that I, I trust so much that when they do that and they come up to me, I know that I can trust them. There's other people in my life that where, where it's like, ah, oh, I don't know. I don't know if we have that, that relationship built up. But there are people that when they come to me, it's almost an instant. I know that they're seeing something and I trust them. So we put friends in place. We put programs in place. That's a really bad choice of word there, programs in place. Nobody likes programs. But, but we, 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 we train ourselves to avoid temptation. We're in the word of God. There's something about opening up this book and even spending 10, 15 minutes, even five minutes, if that's all you have on a day, and just reading what the Word of God says, and then saying, "I am going to live out the principles. I'm going to live out how God has called me to live this year." Second Timothy 2:7 says, "For the spirit of God gave, for, the, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self." discipline. The spirit of God does not make us quiet. It doesn't make us timid, but rather it allows somebody like me who, and some of you don't believe this, but I literally was the, 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 the most introverted person in the world at one point in my life, to be up on a stage and telling you what the word of God says and to be saying it with hopefully a passion that you can pick up on, that will, my, my prayer is that you will as well want to be living for God. That spirit of God, it gives us power, it gives us love, it gives us self-discipline, it helps us to avoid all of those things in this world that want to pull us in. But all those things, all those, those temptations, they're so amazing, aren't they, sometimes? Our first church was in Pinocchio, Alberta, and they had this, this uh, a new building with a gym that we, we were at, and our kids were fairly young when we were there, and Sam was, I don't know, two or three years old, maybe three or four years old, and there was a fire alarm. And for whatever reason, when they put this fire alarm in right beside the door, they didn't put it like up high for an adult, they put it right at his eye level. And every time we'd come in, he'd stop and he'd look at it and we'd say, do not touch that. And then we'd like kind of shepherd him away and he'd go on to something else. He'd be running around. Um, Every Sunday, he'd come in during the week to see his dad at work and he'd be, don't touch that. One weekday, Sounder and I were in my office, we were talking and the kids were kind of playing around. There was a gym there and suddenly the fire alarm goes off. And it was Sam standing there with this shocked look on his face. And it needed the fire department to come because it breaks the little tab and it was wired to the fire department. So they called and we said, no, it's just this. And it's, there's no fire, just the kid pulled the alarm and we got it reset and everything. Well, a week later, we get to church and he stops and he just looks at it. And in my mind, it's like, please tell me you've learned your lesson. And he did walk away because he understood that there was consequences to the choices he made. There was going to be noise that, that would go off that he wouldn't like. There was going to be a dad that would go off that he wouldn't like. There was going to be a mom that would, would, would smack his hands and, and, and say, you can't do that. And he learned from that moment. It's amazing because um, two days ago, he, was, he spent Christmas with my sister in England, in Manchester, or Liverpool, rather. Uh, he was in Manchester the night before to fly out. And we got this text, he got the text, that his flight from, from Frankfurt to Friedrichshafen had been cancelled. Like, so he could get to Frankfurt and then he had no other options because there's no other flights going to where he needed and he'd be late if he, if he didn't find another way there. And this kid who I remember that couldn't bounce, stop bouncing, couldn't stop running, couldn't stop stressing his parents out on a Sunday because he was running over everybody and going crazy. You'd never guess that about Sam now because he's pretty quiet and reserved now. But he was like that. He lands in Frankfurt and we stay up half the night in case he needs us or he needs our money more than anything. His car doesn't work or whatever. And he texts us and he goes, I figured out the train, it should be easy. And about four hours later, he said, I'm here. The, The trains were really good. And I just think, that's character building. This boy that that couldn't stand still, this boy that at at points we thought, is he ever going to settle down and mature? We're watching him make these choices. We're watching him get through a a country in Europe where we can't help him out. And he's like, I got it, it's fine. He was a little stressed, of course. But we watch and we're watching as his character continues to grow. And I'd like to think that, that his mother and I have played a role in that to a degree. That, and we're not perfect parents, don't, don't hear that. But maybe some of the things that we've instilled in his life, maybe some of the things that we have taught him in his life are now we're bearing and watching the fruits of maturity. We're watching him as he's at Bible college and stretching himself and, and doing schoolwork that, that he calls and he asks questions with. And we're just seeing this wisdom. And so I want to encourage you that even if, if it's a young child, maybe it's, it's, it's somebody else in your life that you're thinking they're just not getting it they're just so spiritually immature what is going on that if we stay true to the word of god if we are those people those men and those women that that lay out what the word of god says that we may someday see the fruit of that we might not get to in every circumstance but we may one day get to see the fruit of that proverbs 18 says the name of the lord is a fortified tower the righteous run to it and are saved. I love that imagery. Because there are times when we feel overwhelmed. Or there are times when it feels like maybe the water is just crashing over us. And that imagery to think that God is that strong tower when we walk towards him, when we are walking in his light, it doesn't mean that everything's going to go right. There's going to be Horrible things that happen to some of us this year. It's just a reality and a fact of life. But when we're focused on his power, when we're focused on, on being in him, there is a safety to that. There's a safety I get that I realize that I know no matter what happens in my life, no matter what goes my way this year, that I have a place of safety. I have a place of protection that I get to stand in. And even when it seems overwhelming, even when it seems too much that I can't even figure out what my next moves are, I can stand firm in knowing that God does and that God will make a way. I need to remind myself of that so often. And it's because we struggle. It's because we want to do things on our own. It's because we want things to be just perfectly laid out for us. But it's also because we're sinners. It's also because the things that we value in life sometimes aren't in line with what God's values are, what the Bible says we should value. Proverbs one twenty two says, How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? You know, in order to have good company, in order to be in the will of God, in order to be walking in His light, we need to actually change. We need to actually say, I am no longer going to live like this past person, this past Joshua. I need to be changing and I need to be taking steps towards that fortified tower, that safe place. And too many of us, we get going in that direction and then we have that back slide. And we think, well now I've screwed up, now there's no sense continuing on. And I wanna remind you that good character is built over time. You're going to sin this year. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. And when you get pushed back, continue to move forward towards Jesus. Verse 23 of Proverbs says, Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you, I will make known to you my teachings. Isn't that beautiful? as we repent, as we recognize that we're sinners, as we say, Lord, I can't do this on my own, suddenly, when we give up control, suddenly, (coughs) our thoughts are not our thoughts anymore. Our worry, our doubt, our dread, our sin, suddenly, in place of that, begins to come this thoughts that are God's. Our minds begin to dwell on the word of God. Our minds begin to dwell as we focus on our prayer to God. I will make known to you my teachings, the scripture says. We begin to understand. We begin to be able to say, I am going to continue to move towards that fortified tower. Knowing that I will not be perfect. Knowing that I will make mistakes. But knowing that that is where I have been called to place my life, to place my trust. So as we start into the second week of this year, we need to ask ourselves some questions. How long will you stick to your old ways? I know there's so many of us, myself included, that I look back and I think, why do I keep doing the same thing, getting the same results, and it never seems to change anything? Well, God says, how long are you going to keep doing this? How long are you going to keep living in the ways of this world, doing the things that this world invites you to do, recognizing that you really don't like doing it, before you turn and you repent of those sins? How long will we stick to those old ways? How long will we delight in, in mockery and hate the knowledge of God? You might think, you know what, I don't delight in mockery. I don't hate the knowledge of God. But we all, every time we decide we're going to live contrary to what God says, we're essentially doing that. We're turning our backs and saying, I got this. I can do this on my own. Let me tell you, we live in a world right now that the mockery of God is going higher and higher and higher and higher every single day. We live in a world that even to say I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, people will mock you for it. It happens not just in Canada, it happens around the world. How long will we give in and say this is no longer who I am? I'm God's child and if people don't like it, that's okay. But I hope that they see me living out a godly life. I hope that they see me living in a way that is pleasing to God. And maybe, just maybe, without even saying any words, I can influence and impact how they view God. And that comes through repentance. Then I will share my thoughts. You will understand the teachings. Don't forget that. As we come to God as we live our lives and say, I am going to be focused on you, we will have a greater understanding of him. We will understand what he is asking of us. And that sounds so exciting to me. But remember, there are consequences to not listening to God. If my kids don't listen to me, there's consequences. If we don't listen to God, there is consequences. And the reasons why we are to listen I put are important, but they're actually life and death. You see, when we listen to God, when we follow his words, when we give him our lives, when we say, I am yours, we actually are finding life. We're finding salvation. We're finding a way forward out of this world that says, do anything but follow God. My prayer is that for each and every one of us, that our focus is on moving towards God this year. And understanding the word of God comes through repentance, comes through obedience. And I want to encourage you to do that this year. Now maybe you're sitting here today and, and, and you've never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know about this God that this weird guy up front is talking about. It just sounds like a, a foreign language. And, and, and the reality is, is it does to so many. But as God is in our lives, he makes himself known. Scripture tells us that. And I want to encourage you, if, if you're feeling that sense, if you're feeling that, what in the world? There's got to be more than what's going on in this world today. And even if what I've said isn't making 100% uh, sense to you, talk to me. Come and see me. I'd love to open up the scripture. I'd love to share with you more of what it says. Maybe you're sitting next to somebody that's brought you a friend or something and, and, and you feel safe talking to them rather than coming up to me. Talk to them. They would love nothing more than saying, this is what was being said. This is what it means to follow after God. I think we're called as a church in North America to do better. And I think we've been called for decades to do better. Not just in North America, but in this world. It's so easy to come into church and we have our friends and we have our our programs and we have everything going on around us. And it's easy to get comfortable. But let's get a little uncomfortable this year. Maybe it means... Telling your friends about God. Maybe it means sharing um, things that are upcoming and saying, why don't you come here about Jesus? But leaving that comfort zone a little bit. Let's be a church that is known for who we are and for who we follow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I love you so much, and I, 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 Father, I, uh, there are so many things in my own life that I, I know I have to work through, and I know that are, are, are struggles. And, and, and Father, I, I want people to know that, that every single one of us are on this journey. Every single one of us have sin in our lives. Every single one of us are uncertain. But Father, you are here for us, whether you're the pastor or whether you're somebody that's walked in these doors for the very first time. Not a one of us gathered here have it together. We're on a journey, we are focused and we are wanting to be focused on that strong tower where you will then give us more knowledge, where you will show your grace. And Father, I know that you've done that for so many of us. I know that in sending your son to die for us on the cross, that that was the ultimate sacrifice. But Father, we live in a world that mocks that. And it's so easy when we're being mocked to say, I'll just be quiet. I'll just give in to what's going on around me. Father, I pray that we would be different. I pray that, Father, we would be so in tune with who you are and what you want of us that, Father, the mocking won't bother us. We'll continue to be that light in this world. Father, we pray for those that are mocking your word, they're everywhere but sometimes they're mocking because they don't know. Sometimes they're mocking because they're fearful. And sometimes they're even mocking because they've been hurt by Christians. Father, I pray that we would be a place that would build those people up, that would offer a place of refuge, that we would not come across as saying, we're perfect, we have it all together, we're a mess, and yet you use us. And I pray that we would continue to be just a little bit less of a mess this year and that you would continue to use us just a little bit more this year. Every day, every step we take as families and as a church. Father, I ask you these things in your heavenly name. Amen.